We're now a full month into the PGA Tour's restart, and already the landscape of professional golf is shifting. World number one Rory McIlroy hasn't contended yet. Webb Simpson has passed Brooks Kepka in the world rankings. Dustin Johnson's back in the winner's circle. We haven't seen any sign of Tiger Woods. And Bryson DeChambeau, our latest winner, has been in the mix every week with a brand new game that looks like it could transform golf. So who's the best golfer in the world right now? I'm Dylan DeChair, and this is The Drop Zone. All right, I'm here with Sean Zock, who is fresh off covering the Rocket Mortgage Classic in person. Sean, welcome back from Detroit. Yeah, I just got back today. Uh, it was great to get out and be at a PGA Tour event. Yeah, you know, what what was the biggest takeaway from being there in person? Because this is obviously, this was your first event since, you know, quarantine, lockdown, the PGA Tour comeback. Uh, biggest takeaway is that it's too quiet. Like anyone on the grounds is that's a stranger is just kind of on people's radar. Like mm -hmm. we had this guy walking up the cart path where in a normal year, you would never even have seen him. You wouldn't have heard him. You wouldn't be thinking about him. But Saith Thigala, he's the, the super talented recent college player. He has to back off his tee shot and like basically call out to the dude who's like 70, 80 yards away, say, stop mm -hmm. walking. I can see you through my periphery. I can hear your feet. Stop walking. Like players hear everything now. Every little sound that happens around a golf course is magnified. And uh, I kind of like that because I think players are even a little bit more on edge. I think Bryson said he and Troy Merritt were talking about it was like being uh, in high school, like shooting a free throw or something like that, which I could kind of relate to where it's like, if the whole crowd is yelling, then whatever you focus in, it doesn't matter. But if there's just one person yelling and it's a quiet besides that kind of throws you off. Yeah. So that was interesting to see. Um, my other takeaway is that the people at Detroit golf club, like the surrounding houses, they had an absolute treat right in front of them. I mean, the best players in the world, right? It wasn't an incredible field, but I was just like, there was 200 uh, or so volunteers that really, f a number of them felt kind of purposeless. They didn't have much to do. So they were kind of the lucky people who got treated to like elite professional golf right there in front mm -hmm. of them. Every, the entire week, I saw a number of volunteers just kind of doing nothing, but like watching next to the 18th hole. So yeah, what well, what is their job? They're there to be spotters or just like they're the, players if they need a help? lot of them. A lot of them are potentially working as like, you know, you can help uh, provide disinfectant or kind of like tracking mm. with the group and scoring uh, what what every player is scoring within the group and also like shot link people. But they've got, you know, two shot link people on the green behind the seventh hole uh, while, you know, those people are just like the human backup system for the actual robots that are like standards around the green that are actually the shot link system. So the bottom line is like they had – 15% of the normal volunteer force and they probably only needed half of that. Did you see Bryson out there? Yeah. <laughs> he, he just, what I'm amazed at with Bryson uh, is just his visual and physical mm. uh, movements. He, he moves like the Hulk, you know, like everyone's calling him golf's Hulk, but like the way he walks are these big kind of pounding steps. And like when he goes to like stretch his arms out, like it feels like he's so constricted by the muscles and he, you know, he doesn't, 
in I don't know. It 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 feels like there is a bigger than life, larger than life character out there, and I guess there really is. It's probably kind of like when you hit like ninth grade or something, you get that big growth spurt. Maybe you grow like four or five inches, and then it takes a little while to get used to like walking around in your new body. Like kids always have like knee injuries and stuff. Bryson's got a brand new body. He's probably still getting used to walking around in it. Well, and I think everyone else is getting used to seeing him and kind of what it all looks like, um, me included. All right. So the only knock on Bryson up to this point was, yeah, okay, well, he still hasn't won. But now he has won, and he's now the betting favorite at the PGA Championship, at the U.S. Open, and at the Masters. So (laughs) the takes are fully flying around. There's one take in particular. Is Bryson now the best player in the world? Don't answer that yet. Let's break it down. Our world top five, and I want you to start with your number five player. Number five for me is Tiger Woods. Uh, I continue to be amazed at his victory in October at the Zozo. Cause if you think about what he did post masters, he wins the masters in April and he had a pretty turbulent summer, misses the cut at the PGA, just kind of grinds through pebble, misses the cut, uh, at Portrush. He, he really struggled throughout the summer and his health was kind of slightly in question. People are like, did he have a, a back issue throughout the summer? He takes a break, then he returns He plays in this gimmicky skins game in Japan, and he absolutely dominates the tournament the rest of the week, dominates a really good field, clinical ball striking, course management on a course he's never seen before. Like, I can't confidently put him higher on this list than number five, but I also can't leave him off because he's beaten all these dudes like numerous times. It's, I don't know, I I felt like Tiger had to be involved. He does it on his time, right? He does it on his schedule, when and where he wants to show up. He can't do it every single week, but like, I just think that any time, if you're bringing the best players in the world to one spot, which is what you would do with a theoretical ranking, Tiger has to be a top five guy. All right. I'm with you there. I've got my man Webb Simpson batting in the five hole here. I didn't think I would say this. You know I have never been a believer in Webb Simpson. But the proof is kind of in the pudding here. He's got, what, three runner-up finishes in the last several months, plus two victories. He's climbed to number four in the world, past, I don't know, guys like Brooks Kepka. Uh, it's unbelievable to watch. He just contended again. Well, he, he didn't really contend, but he just had another sort of ho-hum top 10 finish at the Rocket Mortgage this week. Webb Simpson may not be built for all the major championships right now, but if we're only going to have like one major a year, which is where, where we are at the current uh, current climate, then this guy has to be in the conversation. It's been incredible to watch the two hottest players since the restart the last few weeks be Bryson, who's hitting it further than any human ever, and then <laughs> Webb Simpson, who's right near the bottom of the tour in driving distance. So he's proving that there's more than one way to do it. Webb, didn't think you'd be on here but somehow you've cracked my top five. Webb is my number four, so I'll transition to that. He is basically like Ryan Armour on steroids. Ryan Armour uh, ended up T4 last week and lost to Bryson by seven strokes. Uh, Ryan Armour was negative off the tee in strokes gained because he doesn't hit it anywhere, and he's getting up there in years, but he was top 10 approaching the green because he's a – ball striking fiend and when he gets hot with the putter that's when he can contend 
that seems to be exactly what Webb Simpson is. Like, he doesn't play the game that Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and Brooks and, and DJ and Rom and all these other elite players play. He has he seemed to, like, figure out putting. Him and his caddy, like, are absolutely dialed. I feel like right now... They're the best tandem on tour, right? In terms yes. of just people that seem to be on the same page. Yes, and figuring out a golf course every single week, a different course. Uh, I, I think this feels fair. If I needed someone to make a 20-foot putt, I think right now I would have to turn to Webb Simpson. Wow. The guy, I feel like he's always making, like, he, he doesn't earn his birdies <laughs> off the tee. He earns them by hitting it to 15 feet and then pouring it in. He's not even that great around the greens. Do you mean that in our current fan-free PGA Tour setting? Or, like, if we're at a crowded Ryder Cup right now, are you still sticking with Webb Simpson? Yeah. A 20-footer. He seems to wow. have, like, calmed down. Maybe whatever. he should be number one on your list. <laughs> he, he seems to me to have like, kind of calmed down uh, whatever pressure was on him earlier. Because he won the U.S. Open, right? And what's mm-hmm. interesting is that I don't think that was his peak. I think we're seeing his peak right now. And so the guy's one major championship is not his peak. That almost for a number of years kind of felt a little bit fluky. Like it was so close to even par and uh, mm-hmm. and no one no one really like pushed him that hard that day. But somehow the players championship felt more legit than that US Open, which is tough to explain. But like his game is peaking right now. And I know it's tougher to win with his game than it is on the PGA Tour with the other elite players' games. But he's going to play until he's, like, 60. Like, Webb is going to play forever. <laughs> he's not going to yep. get hurt. Like, I think that's a major factor, too. All right, number four, I have Tiger Woods. So we flip-flopped there. I was thinking Ooh. that you might leave him off your list. You're a notorious <laughs> Tiger fader, where I'm usually the opposite. Exactly. But, I mean, the, the only thing I would add to your remarks is just that, you know, he's really won three times in his last 18 starts, I believe which in terms of a ratio, that would be like winning three times or four times in a season for most guys' schedules. Um, and then he just looked so good in these, you know, dumb exhibitions. He looked don't really do good that. at the hero. Don't don't he use looked, that as evidence. I'm not using this that as evidence that that is like where he should be <laughs> tested, but it's evidence that he is still alive. It's evidence that he's moving around. He's definitely and alive. That, you know, his body is working correctly. And with Tiger Woods, that's kind of like the only tiebreaker you need. But sure. Let's not spend any more time on him. Take me to number three. All right. Number three. Uh, now that we've got four and five figured out, I'm a little worried that we're going to have the same top three, but here goes. Mm. Uh, number three for me is Mr. Hulk, Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, in terms of, of Bryson and my explanation of him, first, I'm going to ask people, listen to our podcast episode from last week. There's a bit of a reckoning happening on the PGA Tour, and it has everything to do with Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson's been hot. Bryson Bryson DeChambeau is a chaser. Protein shakes. Love it or hate it. The results are good right now. Mm, Good plug. It was a bit prophetic, uh, if I might say myself. But if I can't get you to listen to last week's episode, um, just listen to me right now. What happened in Detroit is, one, a trend, and two, a slight anomaly. Now, I'll explain the trend. The trend is that he's got seven straight top tens, right? That matches Rory McIlroy's career best in terms of consecutive top tens. Mm -hmm. Now, I think Rory did it twice, but 
the bottom line is that Bryson, in terms of his consistency of finish, is in Rory's stratosphere. It's really hard to do seven straight top tens on the PGA Tour. Tiger Woods' career best mark is like 12, which I think he did twice. But it's not all too crazy that Bryson could maybe flirt with making 10 straight top tens. I'm not going to go that far, but it's not crazy. Anyways, uh, it's also a trend because of the courses we're going to see him play. Now, he's not going to play at the Workday Charity Open this week, but he will play at Mirfield. And he probably will play at the 3M Open where he nearly won last year. His game works at courses like Detroit Golf Club where he, there is, what, one water hazard on the property. He can bomb it. The rough is supposed to be one of the things that protects this course, but it doesn't because it was kind of light this week. The trees aren't that bad. He can hit into them and then punch out of them. Like This is... There's so many PJ Tour courses like that. Memphis, like I said, the TPC Twin Cities. If you look at the, the playoff events like Olympia Fields and uh, TPC Boston, like Bryson will be, the rest of the year, he'll be one of the top three favorites, no doubt. Doesn't matter how anyone else plays. He, his game just like fits the PGA Tour right now. So I'm not going to let you talk. I'm going to continue going. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm speaking in hyperbole, but if the guy plays 25 to 26 events over the course of every year on Cookie Cutter PGA Tour, he's going to win three times every year, and he might win four, and if he gets hot, he'll win six. Like If all things stay the same in this current golf world, it's going to work. Now, the slight anomaly is that he recorded one of his best putting weeks ever this past week. He was the first person to ever finish first in strokes gained off the tee and first in strokes gained putting in the same week. Now, that is 100% anomaly. It doesn't matter if you putt super well. Like, it, he, he won't putt that well all the time. Um, and the other aspects of the anomaly are that, like, course design really and the setup worked in his favor this week. In the same way that people tiger-proofed golf courses – People will try to Bryson-proof golf courses. If it means that the Memorial grows their rough an extra half inch or if various uh, events decide to do that, then it will, ha- like, it will change how people think about getting a course ready for Bryson. Um, and then also, majors are more difficult. Majors have tricky setups. Abnormal setups are not going to work for him, uh, at least as well as it did this week. And honestly, I think it's pretty safe to say he'll probably get hurt. So that is my explanation of Bryson being a trend, (laughs) a trend that scares the hell out of everybody, but also like 5% of this could come crashing down and then take everything else with it. All right. I have Bryson somewhere else (laughs) in the number three hole. I have John Rahm who's world number two. And I will tell you that looking back at Rahm's, results page is a pretty interesting exercise because he has been an absolute world beater when he is not playing on the PGA tour. Yeah. When he's been on important, important factor. It sure is, but gosh, he's been good. He's, he won what four times on the European tour in 2019. He came out guns blazing in 2020. He finished runner up, runner up at the farmers finished third in Mexico. You know, he looked for all intents and purposes, like a guy who could take over world number one, right? He was in suddenly that stratosphere where every press conference before a tournament, yeah. that's one of the questions. How important is it to you to get to world number one? 
do those questions get good answers? Almost <laughs> never, but people feel the need to ask them anyway. But John Rahm has not taken world number one since the restart. He has no. finished missed cut, T33, T37. It's just that he was so impressive before this that I felt compelled to keep him still sure. on my top five. He felt like he still has the cachet. He's this young guy. There's no real concerns about his longevity. It just seems like, you know, he's had played a few courses in a row, didn't necessarily fit his eye, and he's getting back into the swing of things. But he was number three, and I'm just going to continue right on to number two <laughs> because my number two is who you had at number three, Bryson DeChambeau. I you think have done something super wrong here, but go ahead. Bring it on. I might be just, am I just forgetting a golfer? So what yep. you're thinking? Yep. Um, well, I like that. So Bryson is number two. He, you, you pretty much covered this one pretty well, but the one thing I did want to read out to you is a quote from him where he compared himself to a casino. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I like he this is a lot. The casino. This is after his win. Well, even better than him being the casino, he said, be the house, which is fantastic because this man is a human house right now. He has turned himself into an absolute house. He said, be the house. You've just got to be the house. Try and figure out all these little advantages so you can get and make the odds in your favor, I guess you could say. So he said he's been thinking this way since he was 15 about just getting all those little advantages and calculations to basically be the casino. And Sean, you and I have walked into a casino or two together in our day, and you know that feeling of impending doom. <laughs> you know, even if even if the even if the dealer busts a couple hands in a row, you know, if you if you play enough hands, eventually you're gonna get got. And what, I think yeah. that's the feeling other tour pros are gonna have with Bryson. What I don't understand about that, uh, what he said about thinking about this since he was 15 is like, I, I don't know, man, distance felt like the most obvious advantage that you could ever create. And therefore to get distance, it would be an advantage in ball speed and swing speed. So why is he doing it now? Uh, 11 years after he first started thinking about advantages, why didn't he try to do it at 18 or 19? I don't know. Um, I'm not going to fault him for it. Uh, it's an absolute incredible show to watch. Now, uh, my number two is the man that I am going to predict you forgot. You forgot. You didn't forget him. You just purposely ignored him. Justin Thomas. Um, Justin Thomas, he, I will contend that at his peak is the most dangerous player on tour. Uh, he, he hits, he Basically, he's as dangerous as Roy McIlroy, who I think we'll both agree is the most dangerous player on tour. He hits it super long, super straight, then he hits it tight, and he makes putts. Uh, the reason why I think he's at number two ahead of a lot of players is his like his typical floor is just so damn high. It's gotten higher every single year. It's like uh, I like to think about my favorite basketball player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and how every single year he's gotten better in every single stat. Well, JT has just gotten his floor up every year. Like he's missed three cuts in the last 12 months, right? Those three weeks are not good weeks, but the other 15 weeks, his typical floor tied for 17th or better. His worst finish once he makes the cut is T17, which is insane. Like that, that feels like a statistical anomaly that he, if he makes the weekend, he'll be in the top 20. Mm -hmm. It's just going to happen there. There feels like, it feels like if you give this guy four rounds, 
he's catching everyone else or he's catching everyone that he's better than. Some people occasionally get better than JT, but he's catching everyone else. Um, And then I started thinking about like when a tournament turns to the back nine, if we put, you know, if we controlled for all variables of like current momentum or whatever, and you put Justin Thomas, Rory, John Rahm, all these dudes uh, in the same position on the back nine, when we turn to the final nine holes of a tournament, who's going to win this thing? (laughs) I think my confidence is most in JT. Like he feels like he's been able to close out tournaments pretty well. He, occasionally he probably misses more cuts than some people and therefore he's not going to be number one but i have more confidence in him on sunday than i do with rory and if you ask me like who i'm more confident on thursday maybe it's rory but on sunday afternoon it feels like jt so i know that's not like the most coherent explanation because i'm using the guy's floor and he hasn't won i guess since january but the winds are racking up i mean he's gonna at some point people are going to be like, damn, Justin Thomas was undoubtedly better than Jordan Spieth, his buddy. I don't think you're wrong, and I may be completely off my rocker to leave him off this list, but yeah. in terms of just <laughs> being a prisoner of the moment right now, JT has missed three of his last seven cuts. It's a little funky. He's, <laughs> he's, looked, a, he's looked a little out of sorts, and it's just, look, when you get around this four, five, six, seven piece of this list, you're talking about a pretty, you know, pretty serious company. JT right now, ah, I, I don't know. I thought that was a very convenient pull for you. You know, he has played in eight tournaments this year, so you took the last seven. That eighth, he won. The other three, well, the other whatever. four, the other four were top tens. That's like a charity scramble in Hawaii. Is the tournament that he won to start things off this year? So a charity scramble. I don't know about. Honestly, candidly, if we're in the trust tree. I just pulled up JT's like results page and he may, he maybe could have belonged. He maybe could have earned a spot on the roster for me. All right. I'm glad that you can admit it. Um, who, who's, uh, you've already told me you're number two. I think we're going to have to both agree on who's number one then, right? You, you reveal him first. Who do you have? Number one. Uh, all right. Well, his name is Rory McIlroy. Uh, and my evidence for why Rory is number one Uh, Well, he's currently number one in the world, so that's Mm -hmm. worth something. Uh, And I'm going to get a bit more abstract here. I was thinking if if you are going to bring the top 100 players in the world and you're going to play them through the string of four major championships, you know, the tournaments by which we define good, tough, elite pro golf. Next year, they go to Augusta and then Kiowa Island and then Torrey Pines and then Royal St. George's. Who plays those string of courses that define good golf better than anyone else? Like, who would mm-hmm. you try? Who would you who would be your first selection to go cumulative deeper than anyone else? I think it's 100% Rory. His game, he's shown, travels everywhere. The only place he hasn't really won and it's defining his career to this point is Augusta. But I think if you do that and, you know, 2022 you go to augusta and you have uh the trump bedminster course in jersey and then brookline and the old course rory's still number one for me like parkland courses links courses he doesn't win everywhere but he's the favorite everywhere and it feels obvious like 
Remember a couple weeks ago, he went to the Travelers and shot the most casual 63 that you would ever see. <laughs> like he he is somehow able to make 63, 66, whatever look casual. And uh, everyone on this list can do that, but Rory does it more than anyone else. He's looked all kinds of out of sorts since coming back. He's still, you know, put together two or three good rounds in each of these tournaments. Out of sorts? Well, yeah, a little. He hasn't been quite Rory McIlroy. The point being, when he looks out of sorts, it's not like he misses the cut. No. He still like has a chance to yeah. win on Sunday most of the time. And his his Sundays have been disappointing. Sure. But with him, when Bryson talks about being the house, being the casino, that's how it's felt with Rory. He hasn't necessarily stepped up his game to win on Sundays. You know, with a couple exceptions like the Tour Championship last year when he stared down Kepka, that he really took. But with Rory, you really feel like he's just putting himself there again and again and again. And just statistically, he's going to win some of these. He's going to win a disproportionate number of these because he's just that much better. Rory feels like he is already, you know, he is the casino. We have established that. <laughs> so is he he's the closest? Is he your number is. one? Are you agreeing? You haven't mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. He's my number one. And Bryson is like, you know, the, he, he's like invented a new game. He's like the new, the new, you know, bingo parlor down the street. <laughs> Could catch on. We don't really know. He might have, you know, maybe the uh, maybe the coders and the machine messed a couple things up and all of a sudden someone's going to take some jackpots off of him. Rory, we've already established, is there. Ty still goes to Rory until we see. Look, the, the reason you can't put Bryson to number one is because the guy's still never contended to win a major championship probably can't be like this sort of legacy big picture number one until he's done that he wasn't exactly good at the president's cup etc etc so rory still holds the crown and someone's gonna have to do something actively to take that from i think him. they will i mean we are four weeks away from the pga championship and uh mm -hmm. it, it it feels like we are racing towards a just a a, a i don't know what you would even call it but it, a huge moment for golf really is that Rory should be good. Bryson should be great. Tiger's coming back. Webb Simpson is great. We have Brooks Kepka, Mr. Major. Dustin Johnson just won. We do this every year before the first major, but mm -hmm. everything, everything feels up in the air. And uh, I feel like they could all be playing for the number one spot that week. Well, that's the fun thing. Like, I feel like we have this conversation before the masters or have had the last couple of years where you have these different versions of guys that are basically saying, all right, I'm here to take the belt here to take the crown and last year tiger ended up taking it at the masters obviously we haven't really had we've had some star-studded fields but we haven't had tiger we haven't had what feels like a big moment yet no. um all right i want to get to a, apologies Let, let's talk about you know who we left off the list i would like to start justin thomas who i, I know is listening and it, yeah. it's not personal my guy, your list of, you know, finishes, basically the fact that when you make the cut, you finish inside like the top 12, touche. I mean, I feel like <laughs> there's guys like Ted Potter Jr. who make a lot of cuts and then shoot like, you know, 76 on the Saturday and Sunday every week. JT is basically the opposite. Like if he if he's there on the weekend, he's going to be in those final few groups. So I would like to apologize to him and then my second apology would be to Patrick Reed. <laughs> still not, still not a world top five player. Oh my pal. God, Sorry, that's offensive. Who, uh, who do you have apologies for? Uh, I've got more, but I, I didn't want to take. I, them I, my apologies mean more because I only have two of them. The first goes out to Brooks Kepka, my king. Mm -hmm. um, 
if we recorded this podcast three weeks from now and we'd be looking a lot closer at the PGA Championship at Harding Park, the first major of the year, Brooks would have to be number one on my list. I don't care who Rory is because Brooks is the guy who wins majors these days. That's the bottom line. He doesn't get psyched out under pressure. And I need to get in front of him again and ask him how he does it because it seems that everyone else does. You know, even Tiger Woods wasn't ready to win that major at Carnoustie and a little bit of the being atop the leaderboard might have freaked him out a little bit. Brooks, Mm -hmm. Brooks doesn't have those feelings. He is playing with such house money when it comes to his performances in majors that like it, it doesn't make sense that his brain is hardwired that way, but it is. So I'm, I'm sorry, Brooks, I want you in here, but you haven't really done much for me lately. Uh, and yeah, my other apology goes out to John Rahm because John Rahm is good. He is an absolute mm-hmm. world beater. He has won mm-hmm. a number of big time tournaments, as you made clear, on the European tour. But the last time that John Rahm won an official PGA Tour event was January 2018, two and a half Ooh. years ago. That was before Tom Brady lost to Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. That's when Tom Brady was a Patriot. That was when LeBron was a Cav. That's so long ago. John Rahm, in order for you to crack my top five players in the world, you need to win another PGA Tour event. Sorry. It's a lot of disrespect headed in the direction of the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open, but I would add one final apology to Dustin Johnson because he really had no part on this list until uh, his last tournament where he won and there's some part of us that's going to feel very stupid when Hmm. we get to the PGA championship and when it's Bryson DJ and Kepka contending to win (laughs) down the stretch on Sunday. And, you know, we only had one of those guys in the top five and maybe, maybe, you know, I guess we'll feel extra dumb if Bryson's not even there and it's just the two of them. So do you have anything more to say? No, sorry. (laughs) As always, Sean, the beauty of golf is in the not knowing. We have all kinds of ways to measure the world's best player, the world rankings, the FedEx Cup, the Ryder Cup standings, and the eye test. But it's all going to continue to keep shifting week by week. And we'll be tracking to see if our rankings change. That's going to do it for this week's episode of The Drop Zone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.